0: Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And it's finally here. The 2015 NFL season began on Sunday with the Hall of Fame game, and the Packers will kick off their part of the 2015 season tomorrow night in Foxborough against the Patriots. And in addition to talking about them, we'll talk about many of the things that have happened in the nfl since we last talked to you but most importantly we're going to preview the 2015 season which we always like to do at about this time each year and that should be fun as well now matt the seasonal fall beers are here i saw a high school football team practice on the way home from school nice this is awesome i'm so excited
1: yeah, this is, this is my favorite time of year for sure. And I just bought my first pack, October Oktoberfest, the other day. It's just too damn hot still at this point to really enjoy it or feel like it's quite fall yet, yeah, but we're getting there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually, uh, I got one open right here to my right, so I'm pretty nice. excited about it. Let's talk uh, some of the stuff that happened. Uh, we haven't been on the air for quite some time, uh, so let's talk about a few of the things that we missed while we were enjoying our summer. And the big one for the Packers is... The return of Brett Favre, and we've known about that for quite some time as uh, that was going to happen. They sold out Lambeau Field in a matter of minutes. It was a really nice moment, and we don't have to get too in-depth into it, but I thought it was really nice to bring Brett Favre back into the fold that way, and if there was any ever a question about the draw of Brett Favre, I don't know if you remember this, Matt, but we had everybody over at uh, my house for the family weekend that we always do, and people were talking about the Favre thing, and there was a lot of discussion going on. We were having a few drinks. We were grilling out on the grill, and when I came in with some food, I walked in, and our whole family, the ones who like football, the ones who couldn't care less about it, are standing there silent, watching Brett Favre address the Lambeau crowd on a small little TV that we have set up in the kitchen, and I just thought, wow, you know, Favre still matters to people in this state, and it was kind of a cool moment, and it was a cool personal moment for me in a in a really cool night.
1: Yeah, I, I think it drew pretty much everybody in and around the state. I mean, for something that you know might not be real entertaining to watch, but it's really kind of. Even though maybe the the whole thing was a little bit insignificant, he was going to be a Packer Hall of Famer. Everybody knew that, but it was just kind of the night that signified, you know, that he's kind of back in the good graces. the the team is bringing him back in, and it was kind of a long, rambly speech that he gave. And <laughs> yeah. um, they they had everybody talk, but you know, it was it was so significant for us and you know for everybody that watched him play. You know, it was pretty cool to see
0: that. Yeah, now it's going to be on to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You would imagine there's no yeah. way he's not first ballot this next year, right? Yeah, he's in. So that will be fun. And also, uh, it looks like down at Camp Randall the following day when he had his celebrity flag football game, I kind of wish I would have gone to it after having seen some of the highlights, Kim like him and Freeman playing on the same team, kind of joking around and stuff. And they had a pretty star-studded uh, opposition as well with Donovan McNabb and Herman Moore and some of those guys. So um, I don't know. That Did you see any highlights of that stuff?
1: A, a little bit, but no, not much.
0: Yeah, he kind of—they were asking him about if he could still play and stuff, and I think he can't resist to say yes to that. Uh, but he said if he ever got hit one time, he'd like turn to dust. So yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that was a really kind of a fun weekend. So did
1: they try to do a lot of guys that were actually rivals with him during his career on the other team then?
0: Yeah, it seemed that way. Uh, the only one that was strange is they had Ron Dane on the opposing team. Okay. And now I know that. Uh, maybe they just did that because they didn't want to bring in a bunch of retired celebrity football players and just have the crowd boo them and cheer against them. But, yeah, it was mostly Packers from his era, and, uh, like, Andre Risen was there, which was a big surprise because they... Yeah, that's I know, awesome. Yeah, that was really cool. And so it was kind of neat to see those guys again and that they're all still in shape and relatively healthy, so it's always fun to see that. The Packers also sold out Lambeau Field for family night, so I think... They're one of the only teams that could say they've sold out their stadium twice for football-related events that had nothing to do with games. So they had family night last weekend, and we'll get into that when we talk about training camp. But uh, I tried my best to watch this attentively so I could talk intelligently about it this week on the show, and holy cow, is that a boring event.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I watched the whole thing start to finish, but you just kind of find yourself like stopping paying attention during certain points and completely losing interest it, it was always fun to watch like certain parts were fun like kind of catch your attention when they're trying to throw into that hoop in the back of the i was just gonna zone.
0: say that that was the best part of the whole night
1: yeah or you know whenever rogers is out there obviously but it's just i mean a lot of the other stuff is so in- insignificant and they scrimmage so little and it's just regular drills and mm-hmm. it's it's fun to be there i've been there before but watching it on tv is a little brutal you don't even get to see that much of some of the new guys you want to see either so it's Mm -hmm. i don't know Yeah, Uh, i watch it every year but it's never that great
0: yeah and i'm a huge fan of the preseason i always have been i think the games are exciting i don't don't think i've missed a preseason game in 20 years yeah but family night and the people who are taken off of work to go sit and watch practice they're a different breed of packer fan than me uh I'm not a part of the team. I'm not a coach. I don't know what they're trying to accomplish, so I don't get much out of saying, "Well, Brett Hundley sure ran over them red things real fast." You know, I'm I'm pretty excited, and oh man, that one time when when Quentin Rollins turned around was a little faster than when he turned around yesterday. Like I I don't really know what fans get out of it other than maybe being a little starstruck at being that close to the players. Right. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, and, and I'm not I'm not necessarily criticizing it. I I'm just. Uh, it's not for me having said that though uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the training camp stories and one of them that came out was aaron Rodgers has thrown more interceptions in training camp than he did all of last year and i thought it was a really cool story that they released talking about how aaron tends to take more chances in practice to see who's going to fight for the ball and who's going to win the one-on-one matchups. And so he said he'll throw to covered guys quite often to just test them and see if they have what it takes. And the thing that was very encouraging is that it sounds like a lot of our guys were winning them. Obviously, Randall Cobb and and Jordy Nelson and uh, Devontae Adams, who's having a huge camp by all reports, are winning their fair share. But it sounds like this young secondary is holding their own, which I think is encouraging on all fronts.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's insignificant that he's throwing picks in practice. It's not like he's getting to the point where he's old enough, where he's going to start regressing yet. So, and it's not like he just forgot how to play. It's, I, I'm sure it's something like that and he doesn't mind taking some chances. So, yeah. seeing that the DBs maybe being, hopefully being one of the better secondaries we've had in a while, maybe that's what's going on here instead of anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the back end of our receiving core might be a little weaker than it has been as well. That might have something to do with it. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't take any, weight on this at all in terms of Rodgers but it's nice to see for the secondary
0: yeah absolutely and it's interesting you mention about the back end of the receiving core because people are talking like this is one of the strongest receiving cores we've ever had and maybe one two three it's debatable we'll see how good Adams is it's hard to compete with like 2011 and, and some of those years when J- uh, Greg Jennings was still in his prime and, and Donald Driver was still really good and all that but you know I wonder if one of those guys is going to, is kind of going to solidify that fourth spot because if you can't stay healthy with those top three, then all of a sudden it becomes kind of a a need position and there's a lot of, there's still a lot of hype on Jeff Janis and there's a lot of uh, uh, hype about Ty Montgomery and and I know they have some other guys in camp, but yeah, I, I think that's definitely a position of strength, but yeah, Only. just yeah. just
1: more uncertainty, I mm-hmm. think, back there. Because, I mean, Janice dropped a ball in, in family night, and we didn't get to see him much last year. And Montgomery looked really good as well in family night. That guy's jacked.
0: Yeah.
1: It, he looks like a running back. He didn't look that big
0: in the, the draft highlight packages.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, more unproven, and, and Aberderis is, is always hurt. And it's just, you know, you don't have a lot of proven um, ability from that position yet. So it's, it's a little scary if somebody goes down to the top three, but I, I think they definitely could be very good.
0: Yeah, is there any chance that Aberderis makes this team? I mean, there's a chance, but I guess what is the likelihood? It seems like Yeah, it's so he disappointing, too,
1: I think he could be pretty good if he plays, and I bet he probably signs on with somebody if he doesn't. But, man, it's so frustrating. I mean, if you can't stay healthy, you can't make a team, really.
0: No, and...
1: I, I'd say there's a chance, but if, if they're that deep back there, and he's the one who's not playing, he's not going to make the team.
0: Well, and there's one thing to not stay healthy... Like, I mean, there's been tons of guys over the years that haven't been able to stay healthy, and it's eventually cost them jobs. I mean, I'm thinking of guys like, you know, this is a slightly different case, but guys like Najee Davenport, who when they played, they seemed really good, and but they were never healthy. But at least they got to play in some games and some preseason games. Aberderis has gotten hurt in, like, initial practices each season. Yeah. He hasn't even had a chance to play in a family night, I don't think. Um, and But certainly not any preseason games. He got injured very early last year, and this year he got hurt in, like, the first – Hour of practice. <laughs> um, so, and I know it's, it's a, a hard way thing. to make a team. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's not like he's this super brittle guy. I mean, they totally sounded like fluke things. But you feel for the guy. But, you know, he's from Wisconsin. Uh, he, he went to high school in Watoma. I think everybody's cheering for him, especially in this area. But, you know.
1: I don't he, think the Packers take too much stock in that. <laughs> the fans would like to see him on. But, uh, you know, if he's not the guy, he's gone.
0: Yeah, and it's not like he was some kind of world beater in college. I mean, had he been Larry Fitzgerald or something, he was just another guy. He was another uh, a solid Badger who, who played on some really good teams and was productive, but every probably 90% of Division I teams had a Jared Aberderis. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens with him. I think the uh, biggest story in camp so far has been Clay Matthews and his – Sore knee, which is about all the description we've gotten from it. I think he returned to practice yesterday and kind of a limited role. Um, I don't know about you, Matt, and I don't want to overreact to this stuff, but because Clay Matthews has been injured almost the entire time that he's been here, it feels yeah. like, and he's always played through it. But I think this defense is—it has the potential, I think, to be a pretty good defense. After they put Clay in the middle, they were like a top-five defense in all stats last year, but. It's just a reminder of how fragile this defense is going to be. If 52 is healthy, they can be very good. If he's not, they might be terrible.
1: Yeah, and I, I think this could be a very good defense, but I think maybe more than ever it's reliant on him. You know, Similar to our offense, if, if Rodgers isn't healthy, obviously they're a no-go. And I think if he's not there, our defense is the same. I mean, the secondary is kind of unproven. The, the defensive front has a couple of holes that you're kind of like, eh, with the starters you have there right now. You know, outside linebacker, maybe he's the glue that holds the whole thing together. So if he's not playing, they become a pretty average defense.
0: Yeah, and average might be the ceiling. Yeah, strong, yeah. And that's assuming that they don't have a major drop-off in the secondary. And uh, mm-hmm. You know, the early returns are really good on the young guys, but you have to remember, Casey Hayward is one of the veterans, and he's hardly ever played outside. Yep. He's a fourth-year guy who's played two seasons and hasn't had to really be out on an island isolated all alone, and there's some really good receivers in this division, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. That's obviously the uh, the biggest storyline in camp. Yeah, right
1: it's there. scary for sure. I mean, you you kind of think and assume he'll play through it and he'll get back, but it's it's just stinks that he always seems to have something that is holding him back from being 100%.
0: Yeah, you'd almost wonder if that guy ever felt good if he'd be, you know, the yeah. best player in history. I wanted to ask this. Uh, I didn't want to go too in depth into training camp. There are plenty of other sources for that besides us. We're not sitting there watching it every day, and uh, it, you know, I, I can't speak for Matt, but if I was sitting there every day, I don't know if I'd make much sense of it, anyways. Uh, you don't know exactly what they're trying to do, but I, I wanted to ask these two questions of you, and then I'll answer them myself. What do you want to see out of the Packers in training camp of the preseason that will make you feel better about the team going into the regular season? That's the first mm-hmm. question. One thing.
1: Okay. Um, man, that's tough. Uh, I, I definitely say it would have to be related to, to something on the defense for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess maybe if we could get a... Somebody performing at a high level on the defensive line, I guess that's kind of my biggest concern right now is you've got Raji and probably what Jones starting at the other end.
0: Yeah, not week one, though.
1: Week one, I don't know
0: who the heck's going to play week one. And that's,
1: I mean, that's already, you know, just looking at a roster going into the season, you're kind of like, well, that's our defensive line. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, Daniels is obviously awesome, but that's not a good two and three on there. And that's concerning to me. So I guess if you can see... Somebody step up and, and maybe take that spot away from Jones or, or Raji. I might feel a little bit better about the defense overall.
0: Yeah, I never even thought of the defensive line, but that's a really, really good one. Um, for me, it's kind of going back to what we said before. I want to see how the new secondary performs. I want to not notice that Casey Hayward is a starting cornerback, and I want to not notice when both uh, Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins are playing at the same time. Yep. And that's without acknowledging that we're expecting haha Clinton Dix to not step back at all and all of that kind and for Morgan Burnett to stay good and not have a disaster like he did in twenty thirteen. So I want to not notice the secondary. If I go in and watch all these preseason games and I don't notice the secondary, teams are gonna get yards, teams are gonna move the ball, the, the league is designed for the passing game to do that. But if it doesn't look that much different than it did last year, I'm going to get really excited for this season.
1: Yeah, yeah, me too. And I, I think there's a good chance of that. I, Tremont was obviously pretty good last year still, but, you know, probably in a good level corner, not great or anything. I think you could definitely see somebody step in and it'd be a solid performer like that. So let's hope somebody steps up. We got a lot of depth and a lot of young guys. Hopefully somebody steps up and can do that and
0: fill the hole. Yeah, they have a lot of depth, but yeah, like you said, it would be nice to see somebody really grab that number two corner spot. All right, the flip side of that, what are you afraid we might see in the preseason that will make you feel uneasy about the upcoming season?
1: This might be the obvious and cheap way out, but definitely a major injury. I mean, that's the, the, the main yeah. concern through preseason, right? So I, I guess as long as they can keep the major pieces healthy, every year you lose somebody in the preseason, it seems like, and if they can avoid it being somebody major, I, I guess that's the the main thing I'm concerned about. I guess in terms of production, I other than things we've already touched on a little bit, I'm not concerned with much in the offense at all.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I, I guess that, that would have to be my answer for that one.
0: Yeah, definitely an injury. Yeah. Um... You know, it goes without saying Aaron Rodgers, of course, but if anything happens to Eddie Lacy, that's going to drastically yep. change this offense too and the offensive line. So obviously I'll, I'll agree with that, but I'm going to bring up if the special teams is a disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have put so much effort from roster and strategy and even Mike McCarthy's role in improving the special teams, and I know it's going to be early and it's going to have a lot of uh, – uh, young players who might not even be on the team playing special teams but it would be disconcerting to see them be a disaster especially you know if you're talking about how different it's going to be with the new extra point rules i i hope again i'm not expecting anything to be great in the preseason i just want to not notice it and if i don't notice special teams and you don't have guys busting off 50 yard returns every time they get a chance at it uh, i'll i'll uh, i'll feel better about it
1: well, and no, Jared Bush this year, right? I mean, say oh, what yeah, you will know about yeah. the guy, but I, I mean, he's been the leader on that special team for almost ten years now. So <laughs>
0: that's because he was and, on steroids the whole time, according to yeah, report. Office.
1: Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and so I mean, that's going to be a little bit of a change. I, they've got enough young, athletic corners. They can probably find somebody who can do similar things. But I mean, it's been a guy who's been leading this that squad for so long.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. I kind of forgot about him, but totally. Uh, you had a what. The own team considered a poor special teams last year, and that was with a guy who was one of the better special teams players in the entire league, and now he's not there anymore. So I mentioned the Hall of Fame game, and one of the reasons why we had to have this podcast on Wednesday night instead of our normal Monday night is because I just couldn't bring myself to sit down and have a long conversation on Monday because of how... Exhilarated, I still was on Monday after seeing the exciting 33 yard extra point that is supposed to gonna revolutionize the game, just make it so much more enjoyable. Uh, did you see either one of the two 33 yard extra points that looked exactly like regular extra in, points?
1: In the Hall of Fame game? Yeah. Yeah, well, and this speaks to that as I didn't even – I was watching the game, and I didn't even realize that was happening. I mean, I wasn't giving it my 100% attention, but I guess I didn't even – it didn't even catch my attention that they were kicking longer extra points. So, no, I didn't notice.
0: I did not notice the first one, and then the second one, it, it dawned on me, so I made a point to watch it, and I did notice that they allow the kicker to decide which hash mark he wants to kick off of. Okay. Which I'm assuming, uh, assuming was a rule prior with the old extra points, but who in their right mind would put it on a hash mark from the two-yard line? Right. But, yeah, I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting to see if people test it during the preseason. Um, Jim Caldwell actually said that he believes that there are going to be teams that are going to go for two every single time, and then he tried to stir the pot and say, and, you know, the Detroit Lions might be one of them. I... And Aaron Rodgers actually came out today, and he said that he thinks that the new extra point goes against player safety, which it can't be right because that would mean that the NFL, the whole player safety movement, is just a charade, and that can't yeah. possibly be true.
1: And, and I didn't get it. I did see that, but I didn't get a chance to read the article. What was his point that that would be against player safety? I, I can't imagine it's a whole lot more dangerous.
0: Basically, that it's a live ball. After, If you go for two, the ball is live and you can run it back. And so okay. he said that you're going to have a lot of plays where people are just throwing up Hail Marys and stuff, and which which probably will be less than that. Like the play Russell Wilson had in the NFC Championship game that fooled HaHa Clinton Dix, that probably won't happen with the new um, rules where you can run it back. So maybe it'll curtail that a little bit. But he's got a point. I mean, if you're a quarterback and you throw a pick, it's going to be a little bit of a free-for-all there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so do you think he's right? or? or uh, I don't know.
1: I mean, how often do you throw picks on them? <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't it's throw picks.
0: Of, it's your, you have control of that.
1: Yeah, I, I guess it's a, such a small percentage of them that that will happen. At first they have to go for two, and then they have to throw an interception. So maybe like five extra times during the whole year will you have an interception run back, which happens during the course of a regular game anyways. So I think that's kind of a small percentage to be too concerned about. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and now that you mention it, that's been the rule in college football for like 30 years. And
1: Yeah, and I don't remember anybody getting killed on a, a two-point <laughs> <No>. conversion interception <laughs> run back at all.
0: No, I, uh, yeah, I think not. But uh, it'll be kind of cool to see what happens now having accepted that this is really happening. And uh, I guess we'll see. The, when they instituted the two-point conversion in 1994, you got a lot of really goofy scores where teams were going for two much more often than they would end up doing so. As time went on so I wonder if you'll see some of that this year oh I did want to ask uh, the big thing that I think this is going to change is it's going to drastically affect home field advantage late in the season for indoor versus outdoor teams and I think that if you're indoors I, I think the likelihood of you kicking an extra point indoors is going to be much much higher in the later sure. parts of the season than it is if you're in Foxborough or Lambeau and I guess, do you think that's going to be an advantage for the home team or a disadvantage because either way it kind of throws off the point spread?
1: Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. That's a, that's a good point. I guess I hadn't really thought of that because 33 yards is still so short, but if the weather's bad, that could really change things a lot. So uh, I'm I'm sure we'll see it have an effect. I guess it's hard to know exactly which way it'll go, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I, that's kind of hard to tell. But it, it it'll be interesting to see for sure in the sloppy games.
0: Yeah, I remember Adam Venetieri saying right when they instituted the rule that he liked it for the simple reason that it made kickers much more valuable, and and good ones will be valuable if they can hit that 33-yarder every time. Okay, so a couple other things I want to talk about before we get to the season preview, and that is... That crazy situation that happened with the New York Jets yesterday where I can't even remember his name, but some practice squad bum punched Geno Smith in the face, sucker punched him in the locker room. Geno's going to be out six to ten weeks, which is going to be anywhere between one and five games and perhaps longer. Um, and a lot of people have brought to the attention that there's been scuffles this week with Cam Newton and then the, the skins, Redskins and Texans getting in a, a little bit of a pushing match. I thought I heard something about the Raiders and Cowboys, but I don't know if that was this year. I didn't see any footage of that one like I did the others. Um, I know this is a really special case, but, wow, I, I can't even think of anything like this that's ever happened in uh, our time watching football.
1: No, one, there hasn't been. I, I... Seems funny that it would happen to the Jets, but I think I, I don't know. For really, for like a plane ticket for six hundred bucks, that, that that's what throws you over the edge like that is pretty crazy. But I think it probably does speak a little bit to Geno Smith and maybe his reputation in the locker room and, and things like that. Because can you imagine? No matter what Aaron Rodgers said, nobody would come up and punch him in the face,
0: and nobody would let him get close. If, if you yeah. were mad with Aaron Rodgers, you'd have five offensive linemen kicking the crap out of you.
1: Yeah, this it's probably signals the end of geno smith in new york too i think on top of that yeah. i mean pay the guys 600 bucks back if he bought you a plane ticket i mean you you avoid this situation altogether and you're not getting punched
0: yeah so, that's a pretty I, low I life yeah, move it's,
1: it's yeah it's really weird and it seems fitting for the jets it's just, uh it, this has never happened before, especially not for a quarterback. So uh, we get to see more Fitzpatrick now. Thank goodness.
0: And that's the note I had on here. I don't really want to talk about the NFL violence because I think the pushing and shoving is part of being in a really yeah. competitive sport. It's not the same as punching a dude. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, why would anybody sign this guy? We joked about this last year, but he is a curse to your starting quarterback. Yep. It, and I even, I went back and I looked at it. So in... In 2005, his rookie year, both Mark Bolger and Jamie Martin got hurt, so he had to play. Then he floated around some different teams for uh, for the Rams a while, was pretty inconspicuous. In 08, he goes to the Bengals, and Carson Palmer gets hurt. Then in 09, he goes to Buffalo, and if you remember in 07 and 08, Trent Edwards was this trendy new next potential star Mm -hmm. quarterback. As soon as Fitzpatrick gets there, he sucks and gets hurt, and Fitzpatrick has to play for like four years. Then he goes to Tennessee, and Jake Locker gets, like, this really bad <laughs> hip injury. Yeah. And then last year, he was the starter. He got benched because he sucked, and two weeks later, Ryan Mallet gets hurt. And then he has to play, and now he goes to the Jets, and Geno Smith gets the weirdest injury in the history of NFL offseason. This guy, him and Kyle Orton, I would pay them money to never sign with my team because whatever, whenever they come on a team, they somehow find their way on the field. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's just the weirdest NFL career, and it just, for, no matter where he ends up, you think his career's done after he flames out in Tennessee for all teams, (laughs) and then he still somehow manages to find his way into a starting quarterback position. It's just unbelievable.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is, it's starting to get really, really bizarre now, but, yeah, uh, I, I would not sign Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't care. I would I, I would sign anybody. I would make my third-string tight end and play quarterback before I'd let him anywhere close to my facility. Yeah. Now it's time to preview the 2015 season. But before we start, let's take a quick look back to the 2014 season. And for the first time in Green and Gold Forever history, we picked every game that was played. And I promised for months that I would, I would finally tabulate them. And I did, Matt. And I finished with 163 correct picks, 92 incorrect picks, and then I counted the one tie because I didn't foresee that the Bengals and Panthers would tie. You were able to correctly pick 168 correct no picks. No kidding. That was
1: real close. <laughs> yeah,
0: 87 losses and uh, one tie. So we were five games apart, and I actually looked it up, and compared to like the, the pick them that they do every week on CBS Sports, we actually held our own. So... Uh, we should be proud of ourselves.
1: but to go us. And we never, unfortunately, picked something that you have to give me now. So.
0: Yeah, well, I'll, uh, I'll give you uh, uh, my admiration.
1: All right. <laughs> I guess I'll take it.
0: <laughs> um, I also did take a look back at our preseason picks to see uh, how those were. So I got the Super Bowl matchup correct, but I thought that Seattle would throttle New England worse than they throttled Denver, and that turned out to not be the case. Um we had pretty much the division winners right for the most part. Uh, we both thought New Orleans was going to be good last year, and they weren't. We didn't predict the recovery of the Houston Texans. Matt, you almost bullseyed the AFC West. Uh, you had Denver, San Diego, and Kansas City all of their records exactly right, nice. and you had Oakland four and twelve instead of three and thirteen. So ah, what? So close. What were you thinking? I don't know. Probably the worst ones on all of these is we both thought Chicago would be a playoff team. Yep. Um, but other than that, uh, the one thing I will say for just little subtle things that we picked correctly, I thought the Giants would be good. Um, I picked them to go 9-7 and seven and win the division, which obviously was not the case. But I said I thought so because I thought Odell Beckham would be a dynamic rookie who would change the Giants' offense. Which, nice. which I was right there, yeah. and, and you picked the Saints to go 10-6 and six because you thought they were coming off of a really good season, but you said you thought they probably would bomb, and so you picked them as 10-6 and six as a safety net, but you figured that they would be a disaster. So you almost got the Saints right.
1: Yeah, I, I think I kind of felt that way with the Saints and the Niners last year and just have, didn't have the guts to actually put the records on there.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I, they're – We'll get to that in a, a few minutes, but those two teams are always really hard because they feel like they're just always on the edge, where they could go anywhere from 11 and 5 to 5 and 11, and it wouldn't surprise you that much. All right, let's get started. So, what we do is we pick every single game. We pick through the playoffs, and uh, it's well, I don't know why I'm explaining this. This is probably the easiest segment to understand in the history of podcasting. <laughs> but anyways, uh, let's start with the AFC North. And I'll start with this one. I think that the Cleveland Browns, who went out and got Josh McCown, their own coach described him as a used Buick, uh, supposedly in an endearing manner, but I don't know if it sounds that endearing. Uh, he's going to be their starting quarterback, either him or, or Johnny Manziel. I think it's not going to matter. They're going to go 4-12. and 12. I think Cincinnati is going to stay around 9-7. and seven. There's just so many bottom feeders in the AFC where I think a team of their caliber can't help but to win nine games. I think Pittsburgh is going to go 10-6. and six. Their offense is going to be really, really good, but they lost a ton on defense, so I think it's going to be difficult for them. And I think Baltimore is going to go 11-5 and five just because I think they have the fewest weaknesses out of the teams in that division.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty close with you there here. I've got... Uh... I've got Pittsburgh and Cincinnati at 10 and 6 and I have the Ravens winning the division at 11 and 5 so I think it's going to be a dead heat between those teams and I think they're all super even. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I'm a little concerned with the Steelers one because like you said I think that offense is going to be really good but that defense is a little a little young and a little uh, they lost a lot inex- inexperienced and I think they still have uh, James Harrison starting at this point I'm <laughs> yeah. pretty sure
0: and, uh, they lost and I lost Dick the LeBeau too
1: yeah and I have the Browns at one and 15 I, that Ooh. defense might be enough to pull them out of a couple games but their roster is just so terrible yeah. and for McCown and Mansell to be your are one and two at quarterback I think you're just destined for disaster I I have them as my worst team in the league actually
0: so if you if one and 15 is correct who do you think they would beat Without looking at their schedule. Yeah, and,
1: and this year I actually, unlike years past, I actually went through and picked all the games nice. throughout the season. But I don't even remember. Who. I think I I think they played Tennessee or, or Jacksonville at some point, or I had them pulling off a game against somebody. I I can't remember off the top of my head all the picks. I did them a few days ago.
0: Looks like they host Tennessee in week two. That's they, probably. I'm sure that's the one I would have picked then. Okay. Yeah. It, it certainly is possible. I've actually done that in the past, and I always get demoralized because I'm never close. Um. Although I can't remember what year it was, but I picked almost everybody wrong, and then some random team like the 49ers I picked completely correct, like all yeah. 16 games. But everybody else was a complete disaster.
1: Yeah, I, I just wanted to do it because I feel like I, I've normally been pretty good about picking teams, but I, I feel like it's it's almost blind. Like well, I'll get into it later, but one of the teams that I thought might be pretty good this year was I thought Minnesota could maybe hang in, and I had them at six and ten after I picked all the games. It just kind of sure. you know it accounts for the schedule a little bit more and everything. So I'm I'm hoping this works out for me.
0: Yeah, and and why pick if there's not a chance you could be completely right? Yeah. Uh, like even when I pick blind, I still look at like the division rotation. But even when I pick blind, I still add up all the wins to see if they get to 256, so that theoretically I could be right completely.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Okay, the AFC South I think is an incredibly easy division to pick. Uh, do you want to go first this time?
1: Sure. Yep, I got this one, and I'm sure we're probably real close on this too. I think. Yeah. Um, you know, along with Cleveland, I think Jacksonville and Tennessee are probably the next worst teams in the league, and I've got them both at two and fourteen. Maybe wow. just beating up on each other a little bit. But again, th- these rosters are just abysmal. Um, I guess the Jags could be a little bit better if if uh, Bortles plays decent, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I see it. And the rest around them is not that good still. So I, I don't know. I, I could see them winning a few more games, but still not a winning team. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got Houston with a nine and seven record. I think they could be pretty good this year. Just a uh, you know, kind of a question mark at quarterback, but I think that defense will be real good, uh, especially if Clowney's healthy. And then I have the Colts at an uh, easy 12-4 and 4 division win.
0: Yeah, 12-4 um, and 4 division win. I have the exact same thing for the Colts. Not necessarily because I think they're good enough to be 12-4. and
1: They <laughs> just got a garbage
0: division. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a lot of hype for them as, like, the easy pick to win the AFC, and I don't think I'm on that bandwagon, but they're going to get a lot of wins just from playing against such trash all the time. Mm-hmm. I actually have Jacksonville being four and twelve, and Tennessee being six and ten. Uh, the reason I think this way is I think that them and Houston are all going to beat up on each other, and they all play the AFC East, which we'll get to that. But I don't think I have very high hopes for the Jets and Buffalo necessarily. I think being two and fourteen all the time is kind of rare. I think you might be right, and I'm starting to very much second guess everything. But you know, Cleveland's on Tennessee's schedule, and and so they could maybe sneak one up they sweep but if they sweep jacksonville who is jacksonville going to beat so yeah. i don't know but i'll stick with it i have houston at 8-8 eight eight. um for no other reason than i think that they are going to be the same team they are last year they're, they yep. got hoyer or, or mallet at quarterback and that's just going to be you know they're gonna have a really good team that's gonna waste it on really bad quarterback play. It's like they haven't watched yeah, football. I know, it's, frustra- it's
1: frustrating. It's frustrating. Like even though they're not our team to cheer for, it's frustrating. It's just a fan of a team to, <laughs> yeah. to see a roster that's pretty solid, but you just haven't. They continually just have nothing at quarterback like Buffalo.
0: They must have like the general manager's guide to 1975 football, like sitting yeah. on their desk somewhere because it's ridiculous. Let's go to the AFC East. I will start here. I have the Jets as a, my disaster team. This was before Geno Smith got punched by his own teammate. I have them at 3-13. and 13. I also have Buffalo at 6-10, and 10, and I think that they are like Houston, but I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I just think Buffalo always gets up, and then they come back down, and I don't know if Rex is going to be able to change that culture. Um, So we'll see what happens. They have a lot of new parts, which I think – Football is not like baseball or basketball where you can just bring all the parts together and they're going to perform the way they did before. It almost never works out that way. So I think there's the uncertainty of, you know, their offense wasn't that good last year. Now they have better names, but are they going to gel together? And I don't know if that defense is sustainable. Um, you know, they, they weren't very good before last year, and they did some really impressive things in the second half of last season, but I guess I don't quite believe it yet. I have the Miami Dolphins at 11-5. Wow, um, I think they're going to be greatly improved. I Looking at Tannehill's numbers blew me away. He had 27 touchdowns and 12 picks, and I didn't even think he played that well last year. So I think if he's able to continue getting better, I think they have some nice pieces on offense, and I think that defense could be really good. They were really good last year before they got in Dominican and Sue, so I think that... Uh, they're going to be very good. And, again, that was a schedule thing. They play the AFC South. Um, they have some other really winnable games. So I think that um, is, is where I got that from. And I have the New England Patriots at 12-4. and 4. Whether or not Brady plays the first four games, I don't think it's going to matter because there's so many beatable teams in the AFC. New England's going to find a way to win 12. Sure.
1: Yeah, I. Uh, I and the Patriots have a pretty tough schedule to start the season. I think that might actually be good for them because – you know, there's a good chance if Brady doesn't play, you lose those games anyways. And then the schedule down the stretch is not that tough. So
0: and they're going to be I still pissed. <laughs> they're going to and, and they're going to be pissed too. Yeah, and, the,
1: yeah, and Brady's going to come back, maybe a little rusty, but he's not going to be happy about it. So I, I think 10 and five is. I have them winning the division again. At, or I'm sorry, 11 and five, 10 and <laughs> five wouldn't make sense. Would it? Uh, 11 and five. Uh, I have the Dolphins. I, I think they'll be good, but I, I don't know. Just going through the schedule, there's just a lot of games. I don't know if I completely trust them yet. I'm not. 100% sold on Tannehill, yeah. But that defense should be pretty good with Grimes and Sue. Sure. Um, so 9-7 and seven for them. And I've got the Bills both at 6 and 10. Just bad quarterback play and decent defenses.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think the thing with the Dolphins, maybe that helps me pick them. They're probably – I don't want to spoil everything, but they're definitely the, the biggest surprise probably on my list. And they're a popular pick to be a surprise this year. But they were a few plays away from being 12-4. and four. They, I mean, they lost – last second games to like four different playoff teams and so I think maybe I I don't I don't know how much that gets you like you know the moral victory or whatever but I think that they showed that they have some good talent and I think they lost Mike Wallace but they I think Sue's a big addition and I think I I just I don't know I I, I could see him doing it all right the AFC West you want to go first
1: Yep, yeah, absolutely. So I've, I've got a kind of a similar thing to my AFC North here. I think you've got a few teams that are pretty good. I don't think the Raiders are that bad. I've got them finishing last at seven and nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they could be okay. Yeah. But I, that's a pretty tough dis- division to fight through. All three teams ahead of you to make it. So I've got uh, Chargers, Chiefs, and Broncos all tying at the top of it at ten and six. Um, I don't know. I just I think. I I don't think this is really the way this division is going to play out, but I, to me there's just so much uncertainty in most of the rest of the AFC that when I see a team, you know, like Houston or Miami or, you know, some any one of those teams playing against a team like the Chiefs or the Chargers that I know, I I just kind of lean towards them, I guess. So sure. I, I'm sure all three of those teams probably won't finish at 10 and 6, but I could definitely see it, and any of them could be pretty darn good. Yeah. Uh, but I have the Broncos on top.
0: Okay. Um yeah, I, I certainly think it's possible. I also have Denver at ten and six, winning the division. I have San Diego at nine and seven. Um, I have Oakland at seven and nine. I just think that they're gonna—they have a last place schedule, and last place schedule in the AFC probably means three straight you know, automatic wins for them. <laughs> yep. And they have some other teams. Actually, I actually have the Chiefs at six and ten, and I'm not quite sure why. I think it's just because they—they they have ridden this up and down wave for like a decade and a half where they never seem to be able to sustain after having a good season. And I think you saw Jamal Charles start to slow down a little bit last year. I have zero confidence in Alex Smith, and especially now that he's getting older. And I I just I don't n- ever know what to expect from Kansas City, and it feels like every time I expect them to be good, they're not, and the, the inverse of that is true. So I just think they're going to lose. And, and the thing is, I don't think they're that talented, and the style of play – keeps them in close games all the time. And so I think that they're never going to run away from anybody or blow anybody away. They're going to play you 20 to 20 21 to 20 every single week and I just think that they don't have the extra player that can take them to the next level to win a lot of those games. So I just I just think they're going to sure. not be good. <laughs> all right. Uh we'll wait for the playoff picks until we're done. Let's go to the NFC West. We'll go snake back across the the country here with the divisions. I will start with this one. I think the 49ers are going to be 6-10. and 10. Uh, They don't have many leaders left. They had probably the worst offseason ever. I actually posted an article. Yeah. And I don't know if I agree, because that Minnesota one where Robert Smith retired and then Corey Stringer died in the same offseason is probably the Yeah, that's worse. rough when somebody dies. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, But... I just don't know where they're going to get plays from. They weren't that dynamic last year when they had a really good defense, and now they don't have all of those playmakers anymore, so I just think that they're going to be a disaster.
1: Yeah, they lost offensive pieces too, and their offense wasn't anything to write home about before either, so it, <laughs> it's
0: tough. But they do have the Packers on the schedule, so Kaepernick can get about 700 yards yeah, in go. that game to bat his stats a little bit. I have Arizona at 7-9. and nine. They lost a lot of... Not a lot, but they lost some key guys on defense, like uh, Darnell Dockett. They lost Todd Bowles, which I think could be big. I don't think Carson Palmer is going to play anywhere close to as well as he has the last two years for Arizona. And I know they had a disaster at the end of last year, but if Carson Palmer is not any good and with what this defense is lacking, I think this this defense might not be effective at all. And as we saw late in the season, that defense wasn't very good when teams were no longer afraid of being able to to, to score. I'm not able to score, but they weren't afraid of the other team's offense. They weren't afraid of Arizona's offense, and so they weren't afraid of Arizona's defense is what I'm trying to say. Yeah,
1: you just had to be conservative and put 17 points up, and you're done.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and even, like, teams that weren't that good offensively towards the end of the season, like Carolina, put up, what, like 27 on them in the playoffs? So I think 7-9 is fair for them. I think the Rams are going to go 9-7. and seven. I think that now that they have Nick Foles, I think their offense is finally going to start playing to the potential. They have some nice pieces. They've been a tough team the last few years, and I can't even remember who's been quarterbacking them the last two years. And so I think Nick Foles uh, will provide some stability. I don't think he's going to be great, but he's certainly going to be better than Austin Davis and some of the other guys that they've trotted out there recently. And I think with Arizona and San Francisco down, I think they're going to be able to get some wins through that. And I have Seattle at 11 and five. They're still going to be really good uh, despite uh, some of the uh, prognosticating of their demise. I think they're still one of the teams to beat.
1: Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I agree with you on a lot of things here. I have the 49ers at four and 12. Actually. Oh wow. I I, I just don't want to see it. I mean, they weren't good last year, and you lost almost everything. Mm-hmm. And a team centered around Kaepernick is not one that I like. <laughs> no. I think I mean overall you maybe look at the Buccaneers, but the rest of the NFC is is pretty decent. There's not really any really bad teams, and I see them as the second to worst team in the NFC this this year. Wow! Um, I,
0: in I an know. NFC that contains Tampa Bay and Washington.
1: Well, I, I I have Tampa behind them, but I had Washington finishing ahead of them. I okay. I think that they might even have more talent potential on their team than the 49ers have left. I
0: mm-hmm. I think
1: they're just basically picked apart at this point, and sure. and I. And I also think it has a lot to do with seeing their their new head coach's interviews and everything. Yeah, they console. could melt
0: down really easily.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, they just seem like they're going back to kind of where they were before they, um, or when they had a uh, what was it, Sean Hill? Was that who yep, was that?
0: Yeah. Uh, well, when
1: they had Michael Singletary as their coach, I could see that for a few years in a row here.
0: Oh, I forgot um, Singletary I, was their coach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I got I've got the Cardinals at eight and eight. Pretty much the same thing you said. I've, I'm pretty happy I had them at eight and eight when I finished up because. I, I hate to pick against them because even though we thought they weren't very good last year, they, they played really well, even mm-hmm. without a quarterback. But as you mentioned, they they lost their defensive coordinator. They they lost probably their best defensive player other than Patrick Peterson. And that offense is so fragile to begin with. And Fitzgerald's another year older. And, and yeah. Palmer is com- coming off an injury and is older. Yeah. So that's kind of tough. I have the Rams as 9-7. and seven. I agree with you. I think that this team could be really good. And I... I've kind of maybe been a bigger Nick Foles fan than most, mm-hmm. but I I think he's consistent enough to lead this team to a, a winning record. You got Gurley, who will probably be playing as the season goes on, Todd Gurley, yep. and I th- I think that defense is going to be a menace. So I think that they could they could be better than this, but I I wasn't quite ready to have them be you know a ten and six team yet, mm-hmm. and. I've actually got the Seahawks at 14-2. Oh, my so, gosh. Wow. Yeah, well, I, I see. I know that what you're saying with the, the demise coming, but it really hasn't happened yet. I mean, they're returning almost everything.
0: Yeah, I was saying I disagreed with that. Uh, yeah, so, so,
1: so, I mean, they, they lost their defensive coordinator, and I think this team will be gone. I mean, you'll keep your stars, but all the other pieces will probably be gone in the next two years. But they've still got everything, and they added Jimmy Graham. I think that yeah. Green Bay and, and Seattle are far and away the best two teams in the NFC, and I think they're going to beat up on everybody else. So I've got them running away with this one.
0: Wow. Yeah, um, well, I guess Jimmy Graham's the real wild card. I, I just – it's hard for me to see a team going 14 – well, they went 13-3 a couple years ago. But um, I don't know, whenever I think, think of 14-2, and 2, I, I'm so used to teams just like – you know the Minnesota Vikings in '98, or or you know teams that just bury you in points. And granted, they can bury you in points by scoring 27 with, with a really good defense. So I get, uh, yeah, I could see it happening. The NFC East. Um, I'll let you start this time.
1: Alrighty. So I've got, as I mentioned previously, the Redskins here. Uh, a little bit of a bounce back. I th- I think that offense is pretty good. If RG3 even plays defense or plays decent, he probably won't play defense.
0: <laughs> he um, might.
1: I mean you've got Alfred Morris you've got Got Garson you got Deshaun Jackson I think that they're pretty pretty good I think good enough I think that defense has got some nice players too so I've got them at 7 and 9 actually so not a great season but better than what they've been uh I've got the Eagles at 7 and 9 as well I I don't really like the swaps they made DeMarco Murray might be able to help that offense a little bit but th- with Sam Bradford I I've got no faith in that offense really so We'll see. I, I might be wrong with Chip Kelly, but I don't like what they put together there. Uh, Giants at 9-7, and seven. I think they're going to be really close to the playoffs here. We'll get into that, but I, I think that that defense is, is still kind of rough, and they're missing some pieces on the offensive line. I don't think they have quite oh. enough to... I
0: thought you were going to say they're missing some pieces on defense. I wanted to make a JPP joke, but no.
1: <laughs> missing some fingers on defense. <laughs> yeah, and who knows? He might not even be back. Yeah. So I, I think they'll be good, but I don't think enough to push the Cowboys, and I've got them at 10-6 and six winning the division.
0: Yeah, um, I agree with a lot of what you've said there. I think Washington 4-12 and 12, I think is fair. Uh, I, I agree. I think offensively they seem to have a lot of weapons, and I still will never give up on RG3, it seems like. I, for some reason, every time I think about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're going to score 35 points, and they never do. They score like six.
1: Yeah, I can't believe I had them with a better record than you. You're the biggest RG3 fan.
0: Well, I They are like the most tumultuous locker room. You just hear about Jay Gruden. He talks about RG three like he hates him. It's like (laughs) how can that possibly work? And you know, there's been enough sample now where I think that this guy's not who the 2012 RG three was. And their defense has been really bad for a lot of years now. So and and they're in a kind of a tough division. I have the Philadelphia Eagles at nine and seven, and that just goes because I think. After seeing how well that offense played for a while with Mark Sanchez last year, I think Chip Kelly's system is is vi- viable in the NFL. And this will be the ultimate test. They have, I think they've upgraded in a lot of areas. I, I think DeMarco Murray is going to help them, obviously. And Sam Bradford practically ran that offense at Oklahoma. He's never really got to run the Oklahoma offense in the NFL. Right. And so if he plays up to what people thought he could have been. I mean, not obviously the number one overall pick, but he could be significantly better than he was in St. Louis, potentially. But the uncertainty involved is here, um, the 9-7 and seven record. And this is my team that I think has the most disaster potential with how many new guys they have and how many accusations there's been by ex-players about right. the kind of guy Chip Kelly is. If they start 1-4, this team could... Just completely implode and be like two and fourteen. Completely fall apart. They destroyed the chemistry in that locker room to try to upgrade these different positions. So it, they are, I think, the most interesting team going into 2015. I can't yeah, wait. Yeah, absolutely. See I think the Giants are going to be nine and seven for all the reasons that you said. Uh, I don't have much to add there. Uh, again, me as well. Dangerously close to them being in the playoffs. And I have Dallas at ten and six. Uh, I think they overachieved last year at twelve and four. They had a really nice season last year, and there's people that are on that bandwagon again this year. But they're all—they're almost a lot of the same roster, minus DeMarco Murray, that they had last year. It's almost the same roster that went eight and eight three straight years too.
1: Yeah, you got just slightly worse, <laughs> and, and Witten and Romo are all a little bit older, so it's—it's it's hard to imagine them being
0: better than last year. Yeah, absolutely. But I think they can win their fair share of division games, so that's why I have them at ten and six. The AFC or the NFC South. I think it's my turn to go first. I have Tampa Bay at four and twelve. I think that just comes from them being in, in a bad division, and I think they play. I think they play the AFC East, so they can maybe beat the Jets and some stuff like that. But um, yeah, four and twelve seems fair. I, I guess I'm not as comfortable as you as picking the extremes, which they happen all the time. So I should be, but. I guess I always just hedged my bets, and pretty much I never pick anybody to be worse than 4-12 and 12 or better than 12-4, and four. Yeah. <laughs> but whatever. I have New Orleans at 7-9. and nine. I think that their run as a viable playoff team is over. They have no Jimmy Graham. I think that it really bruised their ego when they had Sean Payton come back, and I think everybody thought they'd just go back to being a perennial playoff team, and then last year they really got knocked on their butts and were terrible in the Superdome. At their whole mystique of what they done, they do well, being an unstoppable offensive team that kills teams in the Superdome outside of the Packer game, was pulverized last year. I don't think anybody will be afraid to go down in the Superdome anymore. No. And so I'm acknowledging they have some talent. So seven and nine, Atlanta eight and eight. I don't know why, because they're like a bland team. They got a they got a new coach with Dan Quinn, but eight and eight seems about right for them and their talent level. I have Carolina at ten and six. I don't necessarily like them that much, but I like them way better than the rest of their teams in their division. They might go six and all oh in that division and then be average against everybody else. Sure,
1: yeah, and I, I'm pretty close in the picks. I, I altered a little bit at the top, but I've got the box at three and thirteen. I, I basically only like their receivers that have some potential in size. I, I don't like Jameis Winston. I don't think he's going to have a very good year. I I just I can't until I see it trust somebody that threw that many picks in their senior year in, in college against a bad conference yeah. to come into the NFL and play well right away at least. He could have a good career, but I don't see it right away. So I think they're a work in progress right now. So three and thirteen there. I have the Saints seven and nine. Same things you said. I won't get into that. I think they're definitely on the downtrend and could finish worse than that. But I have a hard time picking them below seven wins. Still with Drew Brees still there. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've got uh, Carolina at nine and seven actually, and I I just differ on you well, with what you said a little bit on this. Is I have the Falcons at ten and six, okay, winning the division. So I I could definitely see it either way. Carolina's defense is better. I just still don't trust Cam Newton. I think that run game is is not that good. All you have is James Stewart, and uh, I I don't know. I like some of the Falcons pieces a little bit better. I like Jonathan Stewart, right? Jer- sorry, what did I say?
0: James Stewart. James I was, Stewart. At yeah. first I was like that's right, and I'm like no, that's the old no, James running back. Yeah.
1: But, I mean, I, Julio Jones coming back for a full year again, I think their offense could be pretty decent. I, I don't know. I just, I don't like the division at all. I don't trust Carolina, so I think that they kind of win it by default. <laughs> Even though I have a 10-6 record, I don't think they're a great team, but I, I think they'll win the
0: division. Uh, Yeah, and I, I could totally see that. I I just am done waiting around for Atlanta to re, recapture their mojo, I guess. Yeah. I thought they would last year, and it seemed like they would for a while, and then that end of the season when they just got pulverized at home it's like wow uh yeah yeah, i don't know We'll we'll see um they got all all, they so many new pieces on defense i I tried last year because i was gonna do a blog post or something trying to figure out why they just all of a sudden got bad overnight and i did a side-by-side analysis of their rosters from like 2012 and then last year and their defense all different yeah their defense got gutted i mean matt ryan's still there and some of the the guys on the offense are still there but yeah it'll but they got a chance. We'll see if Dan Quinn can help them out a little bit. All right, the NFC North, the only division that matters. Um, I'll go yeah. first here, right, or you go first? I, right? I can go first, okay.
1: yeah. I'm up here. So um, I have, surprisingly, as I kind of uh, foreshadowed before, I have Minnesota finishing last at 6-10. and 10. I, I thought this was going to be my second-place team this year, and I was excited for it. But they've got a, a heck of a schedule. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to maybe even play better than they did last year. But... I, I just couldn't see it when I was going through the games here, so I I think they're a decent team and I think Adrian Peterson helps them, but I mm-hmm. I just couldn't see the wins I guess going through the schedule. So I've got them six and ten last.
0: Chris Collinsworth and, talked about them on Sunday night like they're gonna go eleven and five and just dominate everybody. I've
1: heard a lot about that too, and maybe that kind of <laughs> pushed me in the other direction to the extreme a little bit. As I'm hearing about how they're the sleeper pick, and I don't see that yet. So um, I've got the Bears at seven and nine just in front of Minnesota. Uh, the Lions at eight and eight. I think the Packers run away with this division at thirteen and three.
0: Uh, I'm quite similar to that. Um, I have Detroit and Chicago both at seven and nine. Uh, I think that their talent is good enough where they're going to steal some games, but I don't think they're anything special. And the, like you've mentioned many times, the NFC is pretty tough this year. I have Minnesota at eight and eight. I didn't look at the schedule as closely as you did and so now I don't have that much confidence in that. The reason I picked eight and eight is I just feel like they're slightly better than Detroit and Chicago and maybe they'll steal some more games from them but I'm not seeing what everybody else is seeing. I looked back uh, at Teddy Bridgewater's December and it was pretty solid but it wasn't anything like world beating. It, It just looked like quarterback yeah, numbers from talking, He had a great
1: completion percentage, but everybody's talking about him like he's, you know, the, the next coming and I think he was what like 12 touchdowns, 10 picks.
0: Yeah, like, yeah.
1: He I mean he played well, uh, you know, kind of conservative, but he played well. I I don't know if I see him blowing up to leading a team to a playoffs.
0: Well, and that's the thing. He's the modern NFL quarterback. The, the best game that he had in that stretch was against Detroit and he was like 31 of 41. He had like 320 yards. And they lost 14-13 to 13 or something yeah. like that, or 16-14. to 14. So he's going to throw for a billion yards. He's going to have that mile-high completion percentage, and they're going to score two touchdowns because it's all that dink and dunk crap. And we've seen that from everybody, and I don't think there's anything special about that. Completion percentage doesn't matter. I, I don't know why people care about it. <laughs> Chad Pennington had always super high completion percentage, and he'd throw a lot of four-yard passes on third and five. So, you know, that's basically what it is. No surprise, I have the Packers. I have them at 12 and 4. Uh, mainly, I think they're much better than everybody but Seattle in the NFC. But yeah, they have a toughish schedule, so I think uh, they could lose four.
1: Yeah, I, I even had a hard time picking the three losses. <laughs> it, they just every time you see them, they're they're going to lose some, but they just seem so much better than everybody else but the Seahawks. If you know, if I could have mm-hmm. picked that for my Super Bowl this year, I probably would have.
0: Do you remember what three losses you picked?
1: Uh, I know I had them losing to Seattle. Um, I think I had them dropping a game to Detroit and Detroit. Yeah, and I can see And I forget what the other... They play the AFC West, right? Uh,
0: yes. They yeah, play so at I Denver.
1: I'm, yeah, I, I think that's the other one I had them losing. Oh,
0: I hope they don't lose to Seattle. I know it won't matter, but gosh, it would be so nice to get. Yeah. Okay, so let's go to the playoffs then. And uh, before we start picking the picks, let's just recap our seeds. Uh, I'll start. So I have... I have the Indianapolis Colts as the one seed in the AFC because I think they'll beat New England head to head, either in Tom Brady's first or fifth game of the season. I have New England as the two seed. I have Denver, or I'm sorry, I have Baltimore as the three seed, and I have Denver as the four seed. Miami is the five seed opening up the playoffs at Denver, and then I have Pittsburgh as the six seed opening up at Baltimore. The uh, reciprocal of what happened last year in the playoffs. In the NFC, I have the Packers as the one seed. I have Seattle as the two seed. The three seed is Dallas. The four seed is Carolina. Uh, the five seed opening the playoffs at Carolina is the New York Giants, who I think will beat out Philadelphia by beating them on the last game of the season at the Meadowlands. And then I have St. Louis as my surprise playoff team at nine and seven, opening at Dallas.
1: Darn it! I had that. I have them in too. I was hoping <laughs> that'd be my big, big surprise pick. So yeah, I've got I've got Seattle at one, Green Bay at two. Uh, Dallas at three, Atlanta at four, pretty much the same you had, except I just swapped the Falcons for the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do have the Panthers making it as the fifth spot, is it, uh, with a couple of other nine and seven teams. They, them and the Rams eke out the Giants for the two last spots. Okay. Um, and I have, India is one, New England is two, Denver is three, Baltimore is four, which might have been if not identical to yours very close. It plus. was. Yep. Yep. And then I had uh, Pittsburgh in as the five, and San Diego making it as the six.
0: Okay. So pretty similar, uh, especially in the AFC. Yep. Let's start with the AFC playoffs. Um, Should we do round-by-round, or should we just do the whole thing and then...
1: Yeah, might as well just go through. It'll be easier to remember it that way.
0: Okay. So I have Baltimore beating Pittsburgh in the first round. I have Miami beating Denver in the first round. Wow. I have New England beating Baltimore, and then I have Miami beating Indianapolis. I, I just... Don't trust anybody on that indie team. I feel like they're in for another generation of a quarterback who doesn't win in the playoffs, just with how recklessly Andrew Luck plays. I have New England beating Miami in the AFC Championship game.
1: Okay. Um, Wow, Miami in the AFC Championship game, huh? It
0: could happen.
1: It could. It definitely could. Um, So I have here Broncos over Chargers in the first round. I've got Baltimore over Pittsburgh as well that leads to Broncos pass matchup again and i've got the Broncos taking this one wow i, I have the uh, colts over the ravens and then i unlike what, how you think is i have the colts over the broncos making it to the super bowl okay. i i agree i'm not thrilled with the colts team i think they got a little bit more explosive on offense but what i really think is i think they're just this is the year that it's probably either them or new england yeah, and I don't really see much from anybody else in the AFC, and I, I think they're going to be better this year. I think New England's a little bit worse, mm-hmm. so I, I'm not super confident in this pick, but I think Luck could have a little bit of a breakout year and lead them there.
0: You have Peyton Manning winning outside at 150 years old.
1: In yeah, Foxborough. believe it. I, I, I don't know. I just don't see it from New England this year. It's the Super, be- Super Bowl bounce back thing. It just seems to happen every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, I just see a letdown at home. And I, I think Denver's going to be a little bit better than everybody else does this year, I think. I, I think everybody's writing them off, and I but I think Peyton comes back like a house of fire this year and plays well. I, I don't like him outside in the cold, that's for sure. So maybe I'm banking on it being like 50 degrees out that day or something.
0: Well, in defense of your pick, the Patriots' Super Bowl win last year made everybody forget about how many eggs they laid in the playoffs oh, the yeah, previous all the time yeah.
1: yeah so Peyton does it but the patriots do it too
0: yeah absolutely so yeah definitely viable all right do you want to start with your nfc pick yep
1: yep i can go through mine here so i have uh the cowboys over carolina and i have the rams over the falcons so maybe i took them one step further than you i have them making it to the <laughs> divisional round here yeah um I've got Packers over the Cowboys in the divisional round again. I think they beat them a lot more handily than they did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had the Seahawks over the Rams this time. I think that would be a heck of a game if the Rams were in fact to be as good as I think they will be. Mm-hmm. A couple of really good defenses. And then I have the Packers over the Seahawks and I'm, I'll admit this is probably a homer pick. I was like trying to tell my, talk myself into not picking the Seahawks and everything that makes me feel like the Packers could win this game. I just, I just think after what happened last year that that might just push them over the top. I think they're a little bit better, and I'm just hoping Seattle's a little bit worse, but I I don't know if I believe it, but I'm going to pick the Packers to go to the Super Bowl.
0: Okay. Um,
1: As I mentioned before, I really wish I could pick Packers-Seahawks, because I think they're loads better than Indianapolis, but unfortunately that's
0: not possible. Them going to the NFC Championship game again in Seattle is terrifying. I know. Uh, uh, I don't know if they would win that game. Uh, Luckily for my picks, the Packers are the one seed. Uh, I have Dallas beating St. Louis in the first round, so yes, I I think they're kind of the token six seed who's just kind of happy to be here this year. I have the Giants at Carolina. So Dallas winning, and then the Giants, if they win, would go to Lambeau, and that kind of scared me. But I think... At Carolina in the playoffs, it seems like a classic Eli Manning meltdown game. Yeah. Although the Eli Manning of the playoffs is a totally different player than the Eli Manning of the regular season. But Carolina beat him worse than anybody ever did in the playoffs back in his second season. So I picked Carolina to advance. I have Dallas and Seattle in a barn burner that Seattle wins. I have Carolina going to Green Bay and Green Bay winning that handily. Then I have Seattle coming to Green Bay in the NFC Championship game. I I have Green Bay winning this game, but gosh, it scares me them having to play Seattle twice in any capacity. But that's, to me, uh, before we go to our Super Bowl pick, we both have Green Bay. That's the ultimate question here is, I think the Packers, obviously they almost won in Seattle. They should have won in Seattle. There's, There's no mystery to that, but they still have not beaten Seattle. They have not beaten San Francisco, and I think that... It's easy for people to see that they should have won, but should have and have are two totally different things. They yeah, still, still have it. not. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I, I think that's one of the things that frustrates me when I am debating with different Packer fans is they can't understand the difference between could and will. And those are very, very different. The Packers could beat Seattle in Seattle. Will they? What, what would you be willing to bet that they will? Me, not much. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, but hopefully they're able to get past them, whether it's in Seattle or Lambeau. All right, Super Bowl pick. I have New England against the Packers. This terrifies me, New England in the Super Bowl, after all that's happened in this offseason. I still think they're guilty, but they clearly don't, and so that's going to be a very powerful motivator. But I have the Packers winning. I cannot see a Packer team going to the Super Bowl after what they went through last year and not winning.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think this is one of the easier picks in the playoffs I've had for myself here. I have the Packers over the Colts. Um, you know, this is probably going to be a classic. An AFC North team ends up making it to the Super Bowl kind of year and making it a tough one for the Packers if they do make it. But mm-hmm. I, uh, I I just can't see them losing to the Colts in what I have. And I think really the only teams that could give them a run in the AFC is probably New England if mm-hmm. they do end up making it. So I uh, I think the whether it's Seattle or Green Bay or whoever from the NFC, I think is probably going to roll over the AFC this year in the Super Bowl.
0: So, I don't remember what we picked in 2012 or 2013, but is this the first time in Green and Goal Forever history that we both picked the Packers to win the Super Bowl?
1: Uh, I, it's it's gotta be, yeah. Well, we we did in um
0: 12, uh, 13, we, maybe. I don't yeah, know.
1: Yeah, that's a good good question. Well, we did we did we didn't do it in 11, did we?
0: No, no. Uh, 12 is. So the first
1: yeah, time. I was gonna say that would've been the only year, but we weren't doing it yet. We probably both would've that year. But <laughs> well, yeah, I'd probably. Yeah, I, I had Denver last year.
0: Mm-hmm. I had uh, Seattle.
1: Yep, so, and I don't. I guess I don't remember the year before. I think I might have had Green Bay then, but
0: yeah, it, it's a weird situation. And the Packers have been good the whole time you and I have been watching, and they've been a viable Super Bowl contender uh, in the preseason since what, at least '94, maybe '93 amongst a few people. But I can count on one hand the number of times where they have been overwhelming favorites to win the Super Bowl. Every time a new NFL preview issue comes out, I look to see who they pick to win the Super Bowl. It is almost unanimous that people are picking Green Bay to win this year. And that has me excited, but it's also, uh, it's kind of, I don't want to say scary. I mean, it could be worse. And um, I'm just so antsy to see it happen. I really, I just want it to happen so bad. And I, I'm trying to gauge myself. And I want my, I want to let myself enjoy the season knowing that it's still very likely they will not win the Super Bowl. And I want to still enjoy the year. And I've kind of come around to not trying to be all or nothing with the Packers after watching the Brewers be completely abysmal this year and yeah. how, how crappy that is. I will take the Badgers losing in the Final Four and the Packers losing the NFC Championship game every year rather than have a team that loses 100 games.
1: Right. Yeah, I, I, and I think we can enjoy it. I think we'll enjoy it. I mean, they should be pretty dominant during the regular season, so that should be pretty fun. But, I, yeah, like you said, I'm I'm not getting my hopes up. I, I picked them to win it, but that Seattle's, they're going to be in your way unless somebody can take them out for you, and I have low confidence in that. So until I actually see that happen or beat a team like, I know San Francisco probably won't be there this year, but beat a team like that, in the playoffs, when it counts, I, I'm not going to get too excited until I see that. Yeah. But if, if they beat Seattle and go to the Super Bowl, it's going to be hard to hold back our enthusiasm.
0: Well, and the thing about that, too, is that they might do it in week two, and then they'll have to do it again at yeah. the end of the season, which is a scary prospect. But oh, I just want to get this thing started, uh, and and we'll be able to do that tomorrow. Uh, Brady, does Brady play tomorrow? Do you know about any of that?
1: Um, I, I'm sure he probably won't, but he's eligible to play.
0: Okay. And Matt Flynn got cut by them this week. Yep. So yeah,
1: so I, Brady might actually then I guess, especially if he's if they only have one quarterback right now, I think so he might oh actually yeah. have, because Garoppolo is the only guy on the roster.
0: Yeah, I guess for a work standpoint, it might be helpful for Garoppolo to almost treat it like a start and play the whole yeah, thing. Yeah,
1: he would probably play throughout.
0: But if he got hurt though, what do you do then? If if they uphold the Brady suspension and then Garoppolo is hurt,
1: I'm sure they'll sign somebody else. Probably really soon if they don't, but like tomorrow. But they're not going to have somebody ready to play tomorrow other than Garoppolo, probably.
0: I bet you it'll be Kyle Orton.
1: Yeah, probably. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, so the Packer preseason starts tomorrow. Uh, we're all very excited. It should be a fun time. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening and for uh, keeping in touch with the Facebook page and all that stuff over the long hiatus that we took. Um, we have an article that uh, I posted yesterday about the preseason. I don't know if you got a chance to see that, Matt, but uh, last year I was talking about how the preseason for the Packers has correlated well with how often they win in the preseason uh, and how often they win in the regular season. has. Yeah. And it's true of the whole NFL for the last 36 seasons, which was kind of exciting.
1: Wow, yeah, that is cool. I haven't got a chance to read it yet, but I will.
0: Yeah, and... Basically, I'm not saying that you should go out and try to win preseason games. That would be foolish. But if you win in the preseason, it's a reflection of how good your overall team is. Something like 80, I think it's 79% of the teams that have won the Super Bowl since 1978 have won at least half of their preseason games. And only one team has lost all of their preseason games and won the Super Bowl, and that was the 82 (laughs) Redskins. So it's kind of interesting. If you want to take a look at that, everybody go to the uh, website, greengoldforever.podbean.com. Um, Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Green Gold Forever and uh, interact with us on the Facebook page. Search for Green Gold Forever Podcast on the Facebook page. And so I I guess I I don't have a a way to wrap this up. I'm very excited about the preseason, and um, hopefully nobody gets gets hurt, hurt, I guess, right? That's right. Let's go. (laughs) That's all all we could uh, necessarily hope for. So, oh, I did want to mention this one thing that we – Uh, promised in our last episode and also on the facebook page that we were going to do a top teams in nfl history and we will get to that during the preseason i promise it'll be at the second half of a show and uh, we'll just uh, talk about some of the best teams of all time so it is coming so if you're waiting for that uh, it will be here eventually so uh, for matt in altoona i am eric in appleton 2015 is here and it's time for some football go pack take care everyone